What is Greg Pakaitis's favorite fruit? Answer at the end of the episode. The citizens of Pawnee. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee. Clothes. Preach yourself. Fragrances. Preach yourself. Massage. Preach yourself. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and colorful. Says you could have network connectivity problems. Jogging is the worst, Chris. I mean, I know it keeps you healthy, but God, at what cost? Dr. Harris, you are literally the meanest person I've ever met. That's Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergerich, Gengerich. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. Hello, and welcome back to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast where I discuss anything and everything from character breakdowns to episode rewatches, as well as other trivia and tidbits about the show. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you and welcome. This is episode number 51 being recorded Sunday, September 11th, 2022. And today I'm going to be talking about the murals of City Hall, as well as season two, episode 20, Telethon. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop periodically and can be found wherever you get your podcasts now. Keep those notifications on and follow the Instagram pages for episode information. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share. And just a reminder that this podcast will have full spoilers for the entire series. All right. So uh, before we get into filler, um, it is 9-11, and uh, I just wanted to acknowledge those we lost uh, in the the 9-11 attacks uh, 21 years ago. So uh, to anyone listening, if you know anyone, uh, friends, family, anyone that lost in 9-11, my thoughts and prayers go out to you. Okay, so on a happier note, I guess, let's get to some filler. Everything he's saying is nonsense, and he's fooling them. That's right. For filler, uh, I basically just talk about whatever the hell I feel like talking about. That is usually has nothing to do with the show. Sometimes it does. But um, yeah, it's just some uh, some time killer so I can make my episodes look like they're a lot more uh, loaded than they actually are. So, uh, hey, uh, football, NFL football. Fuck yeah, is back. I mean, granted, we had the first game on Thursday, but uh, I'm a huge football fan. Um, I guess I'm a Bears fan. Like I'm, uh, you know, in the Chicagoland area, I root for the Bears, but they suck and the organization's garbage. And it's like I root for them. Obviously, I like I want them to win, but I don't care when they lose. I um, I do play fantasy football. I only have one team this year, but I'm very excited about my team with uh, Elf from Melmac. We uh, team up every year. We've been partners for uh, fantasy football partners for uh, uh, geez. About 11 years, I think, something like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're very excited about our team. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to football. Hell yeah, I can't wait. Got uh, about four and a half hours to go. I'm recording very early on uh, Sunday morning. I couldn't sleep. So I was like, you know what? I actually uh, had some stuff going for this episode. I didn't know when I was re- going to record. And it was just like, what the hell? Let's do it now. So football, football, football is back. Hell yeah. Let's talk about some uh, TV shows I've been watching. Um, is anyone out there? I know a few of you are, but uh, Reservation Dogs on uh, 
Hulu on FX, I guess, or just FX. I don't even know how that works anymore. Like I don't have regular cable. I have Hulu live. So all the FX stuff I watch is Hulu on FX because I just, you know, it's easier that way. So I don't know, like is reservation dogs actually on the FX channel. Like if you have like Comcast or whatever, huh. Huh. who knows, who cares? So I don't remember if I talked about this show in any of the previous episodes, cause it's been a while and I just kind of got into the show recently. It is on season two. Um, I am not enjoying season two as much as season one. Season one, I really liked a lot because, um, you know, we are introduced to these characters and this was, I, I said on, um, it was either the other podcast or this one that this show reminded me a little bit of Letterkenny, just like the small town feeling and, the, I don't know. I mean, like kind of like Letterkenny, they don't really portray it this way, but it does seem like like all the people in Letterkenny, it's like they're not going anywhere in life. Like they're perfectly content with where they are, but there's no big plans beyond this. Like we saw Katie got out at the end of, I don't know, one of the earlier seasons, but then she was right back. She did the modeling thing. But anyway, in Reservation Dogs, you've got these four, you know, Native American. But they um, the first season is all about them wanting to get the hell out of this this small town and just wanting to move to California. Um, and so it's like them pulling pranks and like kind of being like shitheads or shit asses as they're called on the show all the time, which is so funny to me. I love shit asses. It's like all the adults always call the kids that, but so something happened at the end of season one, I won't spoil it, but like that full plan didn't like go into effect. Like it did for one character, but not for the rest. And season two here. So there's like, there's kind of like the backlash of that whole thing. Like the friends aren't all as friendly as they were before. And this season is focusing a lot more on the adults, which is fine because there are some good ones, but there's also a lot that I don't care about. Like they had one episode where um, Alora Dannon, which I love that name so much. If you're on, if, if you watch the show and you don't know what Alora Dannon is, it's from the movie Willow which was a, an awesome uh, Ron Howard movie, like a, a Lord of the Rings before Lord of the Rings. Well, not the books, but like before Lord of the Rings, the movies. And Alora Dannon is the little baby. She's like the, the pivotal baby in the movie. And that's why if you go back and watch season one, at least of Reservation Dogs, there's so many just times when she's introduced to someone and they're just like, Oh, like they make a Willow reference. It's just, it's hilarious to me. I don't know where that name came from for her or like, I'd love to meet her parents that named her Laura Dan. And so, um, but yeah, so I, I still do like the, uh, the show, but I just, um, I liked it when the show was focused more on the kids. So if you're not watching Reservation Dogs, uh, it's worth checking out. I'm not saying it's like a must watch, but it's, it's a pretty good show. Uh, the other show, She-Hulk, I think I talked about that. But moving forward, this show, I feel, is getting like a little bit worse and worse every week just because it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I know I'm wrong because I know that, you know, the the final episode, which is I don't know if there's six, seven or eight episodes, but it's coming. I mean, there's still you know about a month or, or not if it's two because that was episode four that just aired recently. And yeah, I, I do like the comedy in this show. I like uh, Tatiana Maslany, who plays uh, She-Hulk. She's great. And there's there's cameos by Wong like every week, which is actually just kind of like overkill by now. I do love the character of Wong, but I feel like he's the he's like that guy now 
that's like, yeah, I, I need the money. I need the, he's like the Nicolas Cage of the MCU where it's just like, yes, just pay me anything. I don't care what it is. I will, um, I'll, I'll cameo. And Jen Walters, she actually makes a couple comments about that, like in the show, because I, I, I said last week, but she breaks the fourth wall and it's awesome. But she'll talk to us and she's just like, oh yeah, yeah. Don't worry guys. Wong's going to be in this episode. And then I, and it's like, I don't need to see Wong anymore. I'm totally fine not seeing Wong anymore. You can bring Bruce back or let's see Abomination or anyone else. But the show overall, just just kind of like with a lot of the Disney Plus shows, it's just more like hokey and silly than, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, because a lot of the MCU is like that. Like the Ant-Man and the Wasp movies um, are kind of like more jokey, but... I, I don't know. I always liked the more serious tone, like Civil War and, you know, uh, Winter Soldier and even the, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the the Disney Plus show. I thought that one was was pretty awesome. I mean, like it had a lot of flaws and like the plot in the end was kind of like, oh, all right. But like, I just love the more serious, uh, the basically the Russo brothers type stuff um, and uh, Black Widow, which I talked about. I didn't really care for at first, but now I really like it. But anyway... She-Hulk, um, I'd say like out of 10 right now after four episodes, I'm sitting on like a six. I'm just being generous because it's not, there's nothing really exciting about it. The CGI, I feel, is also getting worse and worse every episode, but it's still good and it's still entertaining. So I'm going to keep watching that. I guess that's all I got for filler. Let's jump into this episode, Telethon, which is season two, episode 22. This one also recommended to us by uh, Instagram user at Noah underscore majors. Um, I'm assuming that's your name, your real name, but I don't know. So um, I can only speculate. So anyway, this is uh, an awesome episode. And we start off with a great cold open with the Parks crew in the hallway at uh, City Hall. And they're playing with a dog. Where this dog came from? Who the hell knows whose dog this is? Who the hell knows? But here's an amazing clip. What's going on here? Puppy! Puppy's here! Can we keep him? My neighbor's dog had a litter. They're looking for people to adopt. I love him. I wish he had tiny puppy shoes. I would totally shine his little shoes for free. Aww. I do say the cutest stuff. Look, I love a good dog as much as the next guy, but this building doesn't allow animals. Andy, take him outside. What, and shoot him? No, just keep him outside. Oh, come on, Ron. I guess you're a little puppy. Mm. 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 Okay, take him out and shoot him. So the part with Tom doing that, I'm just a little puppy, puppy. That part there, the dog is literally just licking Ron's lips, um, which I've I've always talked about that. It's just like, oh, that's so disgusting. That's so disgusting. Dogs lick their butts. Uh, yeah, well, I lick my butt too, and I, I kiss my dog. So, um, But anyway, uh, yeah, so great cold open there. Uh, so uh, in this episode, what is going on is Leslie has uh, organized the Pawnee Cares Diabetes Telethon, which is going to go from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And it is basically, again, it's just a, a fundraiser for uh, diabetes in Pawnee because they are the, I think she says these are the third or fourth most obese city in America. And they do talk about that a couple of times throughout the series, which is great. It's usually like uh, like Dallas, I think, or actually Leslie says at one part in this that parts of the Mall of America are the number one biggest city or the number one fattest city in America. I just love that parts of the Mall of America. So 
everyone's kind of like, eh, they're all like, you know, because from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. that Leslie's making them do. So no one's happy about that, especially Jerry, because um, he talks, tells them that uh, his daughters were all going to be gone and out of the house and him and Gail were going to have some alone time. So, of course, everyone else is disgusted by this, but good for Jerry. I mean, it sucks. He can't do that, but it's good that he still gets it on with, uh, with Gail. So um, Leslie is uh, this is just a running joke. Uh, early on in the episode that I love so much. Leslie is just, she's outside talking with Mark Brendanowitz and she's eating a salad and she's just like, oh, salad sucks. And then it just, you know, into whatever, because there's another great one. I forgot what episode it is when Leslie's eating salad. Uh, it just cuts over her and Anne and they're both eating salad and Leslie's just like, oh, I hate salad. <laughs> they're just, they're so like, kind of like, blink and you miss moments and then of course uh sue's salads obviously leslie hates she's like oh she doesn't want to put them in the the um the harvest festival because everyone hates salads and she's like we don't want to make people hate themselves you know <laughs> she's just so rash or uh, harsh about salads it's hilarious like salads and the library leslie hates more than anything in the world so anyway um mark tells leslie that he is thinking about proposing to Anne and you know, uh, earlier in the uh, series, Leslie was a little upset about Mark and Anne being together. She got over it pretty quickly because she like started dating Justin and stuff and um, Dave for a little bit. But she or has Dave? Yeah, Dave was in the series at this point, I believe. Yes. So yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, she's gotten over that, and um, she tells Mark that she's actually she's really cool with it. She's trying to think of all these great elaborate plans and things he can do. And he's just kind of like, I don't need your help. I, I got this, <laughs> you know? So but Leslie, uh, she puts Tom in charge of, uh, the VIP guest, which is, uh, <laughs> Detlef Shrimp of the, uh, the Indiana Pacers, uh, old retired player who I've talked about many times on here, great basketball player, but yeah, I, I just love this, this obsession with like Larry Bird, like the white basketball players. We do see, um, you know, some black players later, with uh, like Roy Hibbert and uh, down the line, geez, you see Chris Bosh. But yeah, like the the nerdy white guys they love, like Detlef Schrempf and Larry Bird's got, you know, she, Leslie has the Larry Bird signed uh, picture on the back of her desk there, which is great. So um, yeah, she puts Tom in charge of that. And um, so he goes and takes off to get Mark. So Leslie asks Anne, she's like, so um, how's everything going with you and Mark? And, and Anne is doing the... She's kind of like going through the motions with it. She's like, oh, you know, everything's great. But she just like, as you saw in the episode, um, the, 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 the one with uh, the summer catalog. Yes. That episode when she was taking the pictures with Mark, when Tom needed them for the catalog and she just looked like depressed in every picture, she just couldn't bring herself to smile, which was really weird because she, at this point, she still really dug Mark. She liked him. But I think there was something subconsciously telling her, like, I don't like having pictures taken with this guy because I think it's like implying something else that I don't really want. So, yeah, she just she doesn't um, she doesn't seem that thrilled and that kind of catches Leslie's attention a little bit. She doesn't say anything to Anne, but she's kind of like, oh, shit, you know, like Mark's going to propose to you. Um, I hope maybe you're uh, you're not that against this. So I love when uh, when Tom is driving with Detlef Shrimp, I just love because Tom's in the front seat and he's got Detlef in the back. And I just love, uh, you know, Detlef's just like, yeah. Or Tom asks him, he's like, do you have room back there? And he's like, yeah, I've got plenty of room. You don't need to sit that far up. And Tom's just like, yeah, I do. 
like all pathetically just because he's so short. <laughs> so good. So uh, just a couple things. Uh, again, these are just random notes I write down about the episode and just kind of they are in um, order uh, throughout the episode. But uh, I love Donna right when they get to the telethon and Leslie's telling them about the phones. And first off, there's two things. Actually, I love that Jerry, everyone has a phone that has one line, but Jerry's line has 25 lines. And you do see later on in the episode, people are calling him and he's just like, oh, no, he's like freaking out because it's like he's got the wrong number and he can't figure out how to transfer calls. But anyway, I also love that Donna asks right off the bat, she asks Leslie, do these phones dial out? And Leslie's like, yeah, why? She's like, no reason. So love that. Um, another running joke that we have going is uh, Joan Calamezzo just constantly being mean to Leslie. Joan is hosting the telethon, so she right off the bat she comes over by Leslie and just starts telling her, you know, hey, you know, you you gotta you you better be on top of this, and basically just, just being like kind of shitty with her, like she always is, but still hilarious. Um, I love that Joan is hosting this with Martin Housley and Martin Housley is the guy who always comes up and he does like the, like the impersonations and the impressions and stuff of like the president. And he just keeps doing them. Like, like the second time he's just like, Oh, and I am also not a crook or whatever. And it's like, you know, there's, you can kind of see Joan's like smiling, but then she just looks over at him and she's like, stop that. <laughs> I, which I just, I thought, I always thought that was so amazing, especially since they're on live TV and she's trying to like say it quietly that we won't hear, but you just very blatantly hear her say to him, stop that. You know, and he's having such a good time doing this. So uh, we start off the telethon with Denise Yermley singing sweet dreams are made of this, which is uh, so funny to me because we've seen her in at this point. We've only seen her in one episode. We saw her in the episode beauty pageant where she was singing. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. Um, and then we also we see her in the episode of uh, the debate in season four where she does the very elongated um, national anthem, home of the brave. Like she literally, she goes like three or four times. I'm a very good singer, aren't I? But uh, I love in that part there because like Leslie starts, she has her hand on her heart, obviously, and she starts putting it down and then puts it back up because she thinks the song's over. But like Denise just keeps going with the, ah, uh, yeah, so. Love that. And uh, I love that Martin Housley introduces her as Pawnee's most bookable personality, <laughs> which is just great. So it's like, yeah, she's like the Wong of Parks and Rec. She just goes around. It's like, I, I, I'll i take work. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can book me. I'm ready. Um, okay, so we uh, we cut back to Tom and Detlef at the, the Snake Hole Lounge. And it's just uh, Tom's getting kind of drunk. And uh, it's it's awesome because that left just looks over and he's just like he's had two beers, light beers. And um, yeah, so then we find out that uh, Tom and Detlef were actually supposed to like Tom was supposed to pick him up and just come straight back. He went to the snake hole because he's, you know, he's a, an asshole like always. So he's got to self promote because I think at this point he has a uh, stock in the snake hole. So. He, um, yeah, they're, they're running late. So Leslie tells mouse rat, she's like, Hey, you know what? Uh, you guys are actually gonna, you're going to start off the show. And I love that, that Andy's like, yeah, headlining. Hell yeah. Like right when she says you're going to start the show, he takes that as we're headlining. Um, so, uh, actually 
I wanted to point out something I talked about in last week's episode where I talked about how uh, Chang, the bass player from Mouse Rat, is always wearing suits. That is not true. Uh, in just doing research for the the Instagram page and whatnot, I've noticed that uh, Chang always, uh, he actually very rarely wears suits. For some reason, I thought he always wore them, but um, he only wears them sometimes because in this episode, he's just wearing jeans and like a, a button-up shirt. So anyway... Uh, and I love that, uh, or they're just another kind of running joke. You hear uh, Mouse Rat performing it in the background, and it's sex hair. You got sex hair, and you got it from me, which they are performing still later on in season six, actually, when he becomes Johnny Karate. And at that point, they're playing for uh, a, a kid's birthday party, so they change. he wants to change the name to Sex Bear and April. Andy, uh, the problem with sex hair isn't the word hair. So that brings us to the next uh, amazing moment, which is Ron and his sleep fighting. So Leslie, uh, when she tells Ron that they're going to be going on at 2 a.m., he's just like, all right, I need a solid five hours of sleep before I do anything. So she comes in to get him a little bit later and he's uh, he's laying on a couch with, you know, the, the visor over his eyes. And he's just like, hoo, 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 like punching nothing. And so Leslie's like, you know, she's like, what the hell is he doing? And she's like, Ron. Ron and she goes to wake him up and he almost punches her right in the face. You know, and she freaks out. And he's like, oh, ah, like they both freak out. And she's like, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? He's like, I suffer from a rare disorder called sleep fighting. And Leslie's like, oh, my God, that must be terrible. And he's like, only when I lose. <laughs> so I just love that so much. That's that's the the worst takeaway from this. Only when I lose. Um so throughout the episode, Leslie is trying to kill time because Tom and Detlef Shrimp are still not there. So some of the things that she does, uh, actually, like she's just getting random people to come on stage and do whatever. And I love that one of them is Burley, the guitar player from Mouse Rat. He uh, it cuts in and he's like, so that is the Canadian national anthem. And then he's just like, now I'm going to see how long I can hold a D chord. Just like, you know, so it cuts away and it's just like. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. Just like the dumb shit they have going on. Uh, my favorite one though, is when Ron, he comes into Leslie and he's just like, basically has this mentality that I'm going to take care of everything. Don't worry. You know, you're in good hands. And he is showing everyone how to recane an old chair. And he's just, he's going through and he's like, so you're going to take, you're going to take the, the line and you're going to go over and then you're going to go under. And then when you come back, you guessed it. You're going to go over. And then it, it cuts over to April. Or actually, it's showing all of the parks department are actually all of the volunteers. And they're all like bored as hell. And April is just like, oh, my God, how is this so bad? He's actually losing us money. And this is one of the single funniest moments in the entire show, I feel, because it's when Ron is like doing something that's making him look stupid. It almost reminds me of uh, Jim in the office because they Jim is like such a strong, like smug character. Not saying Ron is smug, but like they never they always show these characters and like powerful, not powerful, uh, but like stronger like positions, like having the upper hand. So like in the episode uh, of the office where Jim and them can't figure out how to load the saber truck, like after all the guys won the lottery and quit. I love just seeing him as an idiot. So I love seeing this version of Ron where he thinks he's like the shit, you know, showing everyone how to recane a chair. But then it shows the big board and the telethon is actually losing money for diabetes. It's so good. Like, I just I can imagine 
people calling in the show and being like, you know what? I want my donation back just because Ron caning a chair is so awful. That uh, to me is just so incredibly funny. Again, that like people like in a, a, a diabetes um, fundraiser, people are taking their money back. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. So there's a subplot going on in this episode and I can't remember. Ex- I think this is still just backlash from one of the previous episodes, but April is trying to make Andy jealous. Uh, again, I'm trying to recall the episode. I know there was like the, the ones with uh, like Anne, uh, with Anne and whatnot. But I mean that mm, I don't know. I think it's like still right after they broke up. But um, yeah, so back to some of the time filler. There is uh, Barney Varm, you know, who uh, from the accounting firm that we all love. We all love Barney. Barney's obsessed with Ben. But um, him teaching about tax software or uh, QuickBooks Pro. (laughs) Um, They show a film called One Butt, Two Seats, The Widening of America, which, again, is just talking about how obese Pawnee is. Uh, there is a, a part where Leslie is literally just flipping coins and she has a chart behind her. It's like heads and tails. And it's so funny because the, the numbers are like, it's like 51 to 50, like the score. I mean, it's just so funny because it's just a 50, 50 chance. So, I mean, obviously it's not going to be like 55 to two or anything like that. It's like, it's a one in two chance. So sure enough, like the heads versus tails count is like, yeah, 49 to 50 or 50 to 51 or something like that. Um, And then it shows her uh, talking about her favorite episode of Friends, where it's just funny. She's like just wasting so much time, like contemplating and thinking about stuff. And it just reminds me of the episode, the debate where Andy is talking about his favorite movies because they can't get cable. So he talks about Roadhouse, Rambo and Babe. Another one of the funniest uh, scenes in the entire show, the the Roadhouse one specifically. Uh, What else we got? Um, oh, there's uh we see Jerry on screen and he's playing the piano because he told Leslie he could play. Now, I never noticed this before. So this is season two, episode 22. We have not discovered yet that his actual name is Gary. We do not find that out until season four, I believe, when uh, Leslie's on trial and they have Jerry in there and they uh, they call him Gary and they're like, oh, you can't even get your real name right. He's like, no, my real name is Gary. So anyway, uh, in this episode, underneath his name or underneath him playing the piano, it actually says Gary Gergich. Now, the funny thing is, I assume at this point they were doing it just because it's like, you know, Jerry always gets the shit end of the stick. So it's like, oh, they couldn't even spell his name right. So I wonder at that point if they even had in mind that it's like, oh, his actual name is Gary, not Jerry. Because Gergich was also spelled wrong. It was just G-R-G-I-C-H. It's usually G-E-R. So it's like a double whammy for him. It was like Gary Gergich. So his name was completely spelled wrong. However, it was kind of spelled right with the Gary at least. So, um, yeah. Also in this episode, Leslie is incredibly mean to Jerry. Just to kind of point that out. Like, it's funny at times, but I mean, there's also like when he's playing the piano and she's basically like, no one cares. You suck at playing piano and da, da, da. she doesn't say you suck, but I mean, she's just very mean to him uh, in particular. So uh, Leslie comes up with an idea. Another thing that could maybe get some uh, ratings or uh, get some people to, to uh, donate higher. She asks Mark if he will propose to Anne on camera. And this is obviously this is like, oh, this could be a one and only thing in Pawnee history where someone proposes on camera, you know, so um, 
And there, there's actually a part here that I've never, I don't recall seeing on this show, or at least I can't think of off the, the bat where Mark actually, he's talking to the camera about what he should do, like about, about the proposing to Anne. And then he actually looks off camera for a second and he's just like, what do you guys think I should do? It was uh, very office-like, actually, like because they didn't, they didn't do that so much in the earlier stages of The Office when... Um, Actually, they, they, one of the first ones was when that I recall was when Dwight had to, um, when Dwight had the concussion after he hit the, the phone pole and Michael had to go into, he went in there with Dwight to get his CAT scan and Michael took his, uh, sound equipment off. That's one of the first times I can recall where they actually, cause clearly in both of these shows, I mean, they're being, they're doing the talking heads. So yes, they are being asked questions by the people, whoever's behind the camera and they're answering. However, this scene I'm talking about with Mark is where he's talking, he's doing his talking head, and then he turns his head and looks at someone else off camera, and he's like, what do you guys think? Almost like he's asking, like, the production crew. So that's kind of cool, and I don't, I can't think of another time when that happens in this show in particular. Again, it happens a lot in The Office, but not in Parks and Rec, because they uh, they didn't go with the whole thing that The Office did, where it was like a production, you know, a documentary thing. So, um, yeah, I think this is the only time. If there is another one you can think of, please let me know. Um, all right. So then uh, later on, Anne tells Leslie that she actually wants to break up with Mark. So now Leslie is just like, oh, shit. Like, this is terrible. Like, I've selfishly, probably, uh, Leslie wanted Mark to propose, you know, like I just talked about. And now it's like, oh, crap. So he already has in mind that, like, he went home. He got his grandma's ring. Or no, no, actually, I'm sorry. He said he had the his grandma's ring on uh, on him, so he uh, was ready to go. So she uh, Leslie's now in damage control, and she has to kind of back this up with Mark without telling him why, you know. So all of a sudden, Sewage Joe shows up, and we find out that that when I said earlier that April was trying to make Andy jealous, she was just like on a she made she was on a phone call that just happened to be with Sewage Joe. We didn't know it at the time, but. She really started flirting with him and she's like, yeah, I'm down at the, 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 you know, the wherever the rec center, wherever they're having the telethon. It's like, come on, come on, come meet me down. So he comes in and it's just like, I don't even think she knew who she was on the phone. With. She's like, oh, crap. But he comes up and he's being all sleazy. You know, he's like, come on, let's go get in my van. And Andy comes in and kind of like defends her. So um, they kind of make up a little bit there. But again, I can't remember why she's like mad at Andy in the first place. It's, it's got to just be Ann stuff. And. Again, April being um, very childish, as always. So uh, Tom and Detlef Shrimp finally show up. Uh, Tom is like super loaded still. Uh, Detlef actually is the one who drove them back uh, from the Snake Hole Lounge to the the telethon. And he gives them a big check for $5,000 from his uh, his organization, which is awesome. Uh, and then <laughs> one of the, the uh, greatest parts in this episode at the end is Ron, uh, Leslie comes in and she wakes Ron up just to tell him, hey, you know, like we're we're done. The the telethon's over. And he's like, all right, you know, why don't you go home and get some rest? And Ron was sleeping at this point. So he wakes up and he looks over at the TV and Purd is on it. Purd's just like, and I'm about to do a dance. And the story of this dance is that it's called The Worm. And then you get the, the Beverly Hills cop song. The do, 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 and Purge just doing the worm going along. It's so good. And Ron just, uh, he's like, 
what the fuck are you doing, Purd Happily? It's so great. It's just like one of Rod's greatest single lines. And then also uh, Jay Jackson, uh, the the actor who plays Purd Happily, doing the worm is just so good. Um, So that's the end of the episode, but we do get the tag at the end where Leslie shows up just to talk to Anne about kind of everything that happened the night, you know, from that night, like to the, she knows Anne needs to decompress. And obviously she's having these thoughts about breaking up with Mark. She hasn't done it yet, but, um, uh, <laughs> Leslie ends up falling asleep. And actually when she pulls up to Anne's house, she's like, I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I think I might've parked on your front lawn and sure enough, her car is just parked and, and you know, Anne's just like, all right, get inside before anyone sees, you know? So, uh, she says that Leslie slept for 22 hours and, uh, she was like checking her vitals and everything like that. And, uh, it was like a really sweet part because Anne says too, she's just like, you know what? I, I just love uh, Leslie so much. I'll do anything to, to help her out. So that's why she just doesn't care that she's sleeping on her couch for 22 straight hours. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, so that is the episode telethon season two, episode 22 again. Um, Noah majors, I think that's your name. Thank you for uh, the suggestion and a uh, great episode. I had a lot of fun with this one. So uh, again, reach out on Instagram or on the uh, the Spotify app or uh, whatever app you use, if you can reach it uh, or email me again, citizen, citizens of Pawnee uh, at gmail.com. Um, yeah, let me know which episode you want me to cover. Uh, so now we are going to jump into the main event of this episode, and that is the City Hall Murals. Okay, so I understand um, this might be a little bit tricky for the listener. I mean, you have all watched this show before, but what I'm going to be talking about with these murals is obviously it's a lot more visual, and I can't show you those things because I don't have like a YouTube video thing because I suck. But anyway, uh, so I'll try to just describe these murals to you. And for anyone who is unfamiliar, if you haven't watched the thing with uh, City Hall in Pawnee is that it is just littered up and down the hallways with these gigantic murals. And I mean, these things are huge. Like some of them are like 10 by 20, probably 5 by 10, whatever. But I mean, like feet, not inches, obviously. But they're huge. And the funny thing about them, is that this is one of the running jokes throughout the show. And I'm going to I have I have a pretty good amount here. I think I have all, if not most of them. And I'm going to. Ch- tell you what episode they're in if I have the episode because some of them I just couldn't find it I uh I found the clips or I've you know and I found the um all the the murals I believe but I'm not sure about the episode so anyway uh just bear with me here this might be a little uh messy so let's start off with Sunday boxing which is one of my favorite ones this is in season two episode three beauty pageant so this is when Leslie kind of meets Dave Sanderson Louis C.K. Um, and he comes to visit her at work. So she is showing him one of the murals. And this one she shows him is uh, it depicts a fight between the Reverend Bradley and Annabeth Stevenson, the widowed mother of seven. And Leslie's telling him that she's like, well, in the 1880s, it was pretty rough and tumble in Pawnee. And the picture is just this dude, the Reverend Bradley, literally punching a woman in the stomach. And that's the widowed mother of seven. And it's like to where he's lunging forward, punching, and he's punching her so hard that she's like almost bent in half. <laughs> like not saying, you know, like violence on women is funny, but I mean, like even my wife, when I, when I told her about this one, it's so funny just because it's like the Reverend Bradley versus 
um uh, I, 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 sorry, uh, Annabeth Stevenson, the widowed mother of seven. So anyway, uh, Leslie tells Dave, she's like, this one was originally titled A Lively Fisting, but we had to change it for obvious reasons. So, okay. So the next one, um, The Trial of Chief Wamapoke. This is when, uh, this is in season one, episode three, The Reporter. This is when Leslie, uh, when we uh, met, Sh uh, we meet Sean on Wall Tweet for the first time. Leslie's showing her around City Hall. And it's funny, too, because Shauna comes in and Leslie's like, can I give you a tour? And Shauna's like, well, I've been here before. And she's like, all right, I'll give you a tour. So she just starts showing her the building again anyway. So Shauna's seen all this stuff. But anyway, so this is, uh, again, the trial of Chief Wambapoke. This one, we know that it was painted in 1936. And Chief Wamapoke, he was convicted of crimes against the soldiers and he was killed by a cannonball. And this one, and the, be the best thing I didn't say it about the, the Sunday boxing, the last one, is that seemingly every time they show you the mural, they show you a close up of it. And it's like, hey, this doesn't look too bad. And then all of a sudden they pull back and it's like you see the horror uh, <laughs> that is the, um, the mural. So like this one. Um, it just shows Chief Wamapoke tied to like a pole or like a tree, sorry. And then it pulls back and it's literally two soldiers lighting a cannon about four feet away from him. It's just, it's so brutal. And, and I mean, like just the stupidity of it, like these guys are just like, we got to kill this son of a bitch. And it's like, don't shoot him or stab him or anything. Literally shoot him with a cannon and make sure you set that cannon up about, um, yeah, four, four or five feet away from the guy. And I love that Leslie, she's uh, she's telling Shona, she's like, we get letters about it every day, like asking or people asking to have it removed. All right. <clears throat> um, this one depict the next one depicts the battle at Konica Creek. This one, we don't really get to see the whole thing because it is cleverly. And uh, this is uh, I, one of the earlier episodes. It's Leslie showing Anne and Leslie's like, this is our crown jewel. Uh, it's one of our best murals. And you just see. <laughs> so. There's a guy, there's an Indian soldier laying on the ground, like all contorted and dead. And they put like a big notice over it because Leslie says that um, a lot of the gruesome parts need to be covered with uh, just random posters. So you can see there's a poster on the wall. I don't remember what it reads, but you just like on, on the all four sides of the poster, you see like one arm here, one arm here and the two legs. Not like he's like uh quartered or anything but that's just the the picture is mainly over the middle of his body and you can just see like a huge red <laughs> blood like pool underneath the guy so it's just amazing to me like they just put a poster over this but they don't cover it completely not the whole mural or even the whole uh indian soldier they literally just cover the the gruesome part so he's probably like got 15 arrows in him or um missing i don't know it's <laughs> but Okay, uh, the next one, this is um, actually, I don't know if they actually give you a name for this one, but uh, Leslie is in the woods. She's doing a talking head and she's like, this is the site of the murder of Nathaniel Bixby Mark. He was a pioneer who was killed by a tribe of Wamapoke Indians after he traded them a baby for what is now Indianapolis. They cut his face off and made it into a dream catcher and they made his legs into rain sticks. The great thing about Indians back then, they used every part of the pioneer. That is so just, it's kind of fucked up to think about. It's like, oh yeah, they, they got, you know, like how you, people kind of say that sometimes about animals. It's like, 
you know, like say what you will about eating animals or well, wearing them. I know a lot of it is terrible. We don't have to get into it, but it's like when there's the animals in like Africa and stuff like elephants and whatnot, where they're killed specifically just for like their tusk or like their, their tail, even, I don't know, fucked up stuff like that. But anyway, um, yeah, when they say it's like a, a cow or whatever, it's like, yeah, they try to use as much of the cow as they can. This is terrible. I'm sorry if you are a, vegeta- a vegetarian. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just love that Leslie says the, the Indians used every part of the settler. And uh, the picture is just uh, it's a guy on a horse. And it looks like I can't tell. I was trying to zoom in. He has something in his hand that's green, possibly cash. But at the same time, it's like, no, maybe it's like the deed for Indiana. But he is handing or actually he has already handed the the chief the baby so the chief is already holding the baby and we found out later actually or i found out in the research that that baby excuse me that baby that the settler handed over was annabeth stevenson who was the the woman the widow of the seven kids from the first the sunday boxing one okay next one is called pawnee zoo And uh, Leslie tells us that Pawnee has a tricky history with welcoming foreign visitors. This one's so funny because it just shows a man, a Jewish man, actually, we find out. And he's just sitting in a cell reading a book because they've never heard of that religion of Judaism. So they just put him in a cage. And (laughs) it's another one where Leslie, you know, like it zooms in and it just shows this guy and he's sitting in his little and it's a cage. Literally, he's at a zoo. So he's outside. So it's got bars on it. So the guy's sitting there reading the book and then it pans back. And like on one side, there's a bear and the other side, there's like a I forgot, like a tiger or something. But I mean, like, yeah, they uh and Leslie does say she's like, you know, they they let him out after they realized he wasn't, uh, you know, like whatever. I, I can't remember, but it's so funny to me, like just because they didn't know what Judaism was. They threw this guy into a cage and <laughs> locked him up. OK, uh, so I'm actually going to sidetrack for a second on this one. This one is not a city hall mural, but it is one of the famous murals of the show. And that is Jerry's painting, which is in the episode Jerry's painting season three, episode 11. So. They're having a big art show and everyone calls Leslie over. They're like, hey, Leslie, you got to see this painting Jerry did. Now, we knew that Jerry was very talented because we saw like the mural in uh, season two. And we just know that he completely, you know, he's like, he's very talented. Like in the telethon episode, like I just talked about, you know, he's very good at the piano and he can do magic tricks and stuff like that. So this one, it depicts like a warrior goddess centaur and she's just like she's go running through the woods and there's um there's like a little cherub baby in the picture with him however the warrior goddess woman looks exactly like leslie and the little fat cherub baby up top looks like tom so i love that this is what because because jerry does say when they they kind of ask him about it it's like is that leslie and he's like, no, it's not Leslie. And he kind of laughs about it. And then he does a closer look and he's like, oh, my God, it is Leslie. Like he doesn't he subconsciously he says that he painted that because he just had in mind like a strong female you know, person just which is awesome. It's like an amazing compliment. And I think that's why Leslie, she just runs with it for that full episode because she does look great in it. And um, truth be told, I'd kind of like to see the topless version, not going to lie, uh, which I love later on in that episode too, when she, cause Marsha Langman, I can't, that might be the first time they show Marsha Langman. 
but she wants the picture burned and it's just, you know, totally overreacting. So Leslie takes the picture because she doesn't, she wants to keep it. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But uh, she stores it at Andy and April's house and Ben's living there. This is like right when he first moved, like literally, I think it's this episode where he moved in with them, but she puts it against the wall and it's like, she purposely keeps like leaving the room or suggesting like, go ahead, you can look at it. Cause you know, she likes Ben. So she wants him to see this beautiful topless picture of her, uh, which he does kind of glance at a couple of times. And then he gets like embarrassed when, when anyone, uh, you know, when he notices that anyone's looking at it, but anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, where we got here, oh, I think that's pretty much all of it. Oh, well he, um, the the cherub baby with Tom. That's great because Anne's the one who pointed points it out. She's like, oh my God, look at the fat baby. It's Tom. And it looks again identical to Tom. And I love that on the like the other side where not the other side of the painting, but I mean like on the other what the hell is them like the contrary, I guess. The where he drew Leslie thinking she was like a powerful woman. He drew Tom as the little fat cherub baby who's just like off in the corner. So I love that. That's what he thinks of Tom. It's just like you're, you know, he doesn't say that, but I'm guessing that right after he said, he's like, well, I just imagined a strong woman and he drew Leslie. He was probably thinking of someone he didn't like or someone who's inferior and drew Tom. So again, he didn't do this to be like evil or anything like that. He didn't even realize it because later on in the episode when Marsha is still like, she goes to Chris Traeger and everything. And she's like, we, we got to get rid of this painting. I'm not going to stop till it's gone. So what Leslie does, she calls Jerry in and she's like, can you, can you paint a new picture? So he paints the exact same picture, except, you know, obviously he, he keeps the picture the same. So it's a centaur and it's a little cherub baby, but he makes Tom the centaur now so Tom is topless, but, you know, I, he doesn't have boobs, obviously, so they don't have to blur anything out. But Leslie brings this back to Marsha Langman, and she's like, how about now? She's like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And you can see that Marsha's kind of like, mm, okay, fine, whatever. But Leslie ends up keeping that picture. But it's, a, it's an awesome picture. I mean, Jerry's very talented. Okay. Now we have the, uh, the Spirit of Pawnee. This is uh, the episode The Camel, season two, episode nine. So this is actually, this might be the first episode. No, it's not the first one where they show the first mural. But this is <clears throat> where uh, city manager before Chris Traeger, Paul Iresco, he is talking about how, well, uh, the spirit of Pawnee was defaced again last night. It happens all the time. This time it was uh, chocolate pudding. And it's a very controversial painting. Uh, Leslie tells us that acid was thrown at it, uh, tomato sauce once. And then she said, someone tried to stab it once. And as she's like, <clears throat> excuse me, as she's telling us this, they show uh, CCTV footage of a guy who crossed over. There was like stanchions in front of it and he like stepped over it and he's got spray paint and he's just writing racist across it. So uh, the picture actually, it just depicts a train called the spirit of Pawnee and it is just plowing through through Pawnee. It's so just it's it's unbelievable like how much this show got away with. But it's great that, you know, the people at NBC and then just like critics and whatnot could understand that this was satire. It's not like but anyway, the train itself is about to run over uh, an Indian soldier who's like laying on the tracks. Who knows why he's laying on the tracks, probably trying to defend his land. But you see 
the the Pawnee settlers on one side, like all happy, like with their food and everything. And then on the other side, there's just a bunch of like Asian men with literally with the um oh my god, I like this I don't want to say straw hats, but you know, the ones that like Raiden wears in the Mortal Kombat movies and the, the guys from uh Big Trouble in Little China. Just the big I I don't know what they're called, so I'm not gonna say anything because I don't want to sound like an idiot. But there's just a, yeah, there's a bunch of men and it's so bad. Like you can see, like they gave them like buck teeth and slanty eyes and it's like, oh my God, this is terrible. And these guys are just like running around doing whatever. But um, yeah, so that's the spirit of Pawnee. I love that. That's the spirit of Pawnee. Um, okay. So already, oh, we also have Jerry's mural, which again, I, I just said that uh, Jerry's painting was going to be the only one that's not one of the city hall murals, but I, uh, this one actually was going to be one if it would have passed, but this is also in the episode season two, episode nine, the camel. So in that episode, the spirit of Pawnee, like I told you, Paul Iresco, he brings it up to all the different departments are having a meeting and he wants each department to come up with their own painting. It's like, Hey, if you know, if you have a good one, we'll replace it. We're going to put this in city hall instead of the, the, the spirit of Pawnee. So Jerry, or well, uh, the, the parks department, they all come up with their own. And one of the funniest scenes in the entire series when April makes her mural, which she actually put a lot of time and thought into, but it is so just like disturbing where she wants to have an overweight guy constantly running on a, a gerbil, like a, a life-sized hamster wheel while he's eating raw beef and there's a picture in the or there's a tv in the background of a looped knee surgeries i believe she said knee surgeries so anyway jerry comes up and he makes um what's it called uh, a pointillism which is when you make a picture out of many other pictures you see this a lot with like star wars and stuff you know there's like a picture of darth vader and it's like, okay, it, it's clearly Darth Vader, but then you you get closer and you realize they used like every scene from the movie. So it's like, obviously they had to use darker scenes like for him, but then like maybe parts where they're trying to show you like a little bit of like light contrast, they use a lighter scene, you know? So anyway, Jerry says that he used a picture of every citizen in Pawnee to make this mural of City Hall, which is beautiful. But when he comes up to present it, he says, for my mural, and immediately Tom's like, he said mural. And then Tom and April just kind of start like really laying into him. And even Leslie gets involved. And this was like one of the really mean parts, like where they just won't let it go. Like, and he's, he's trying, he's like, clearly has this amazing painting or this amazing picture that he put together. And they're all just laughing him off stage. And the way he walks away, like he's kind of like, Oh, I was just trying to show you my picture, like almost sarcastic, but it's just sad because that's like one of the earlier uh, signs that Jerry is the punching bag in the office. So, okay. Uh, this is uh, somewhere in season five. I can't remember, but I just know uh, it's when Leslie meets with uh, rest. Leslie and Ben meet with rest in St. James. And if you'll recall, he is the, the Eagleton like designer uh, architect or whatever. And this guy says that he wants to design a park for Pawnee and he wants to do it pro bono. And this is when um, a couple people from Eagleton, they bring the diorama over and uh, it's, it's like it basically it just shits all over Pawnee, like tell them saying they're fat and they just eat disgusting food and everything, which is true. But um, so anyway, in that episode, 
uh, we get the, the painting of Eagleton. So in May of 1817, a group of settlers arrived at a chunk of land and they called it Pawnee. June of 1817, the richest among them flee up the hill to form Eagleton. So the picture just depicts uh, the wealthy Eagleton people looking down on Pawnee. It, <laughs> it's, it's really like weird too because it's like obviously all the people in Eagleton, they're up top, they're dressed all elegant and everything. And then it's like down the hill you have Pawnee and I, I'm pretty sure. So they're showing all these people. They're, they're like, they have faces like they're turning their noses up, you know, like Pawnee stinks and everything like that. There's one dude who it looks like he's throwing a stick of dynamite at Pawnee. <laughs> I, I don't know how I, it's gotta be dynamite. Cause it looks like there's a lit fuse on it. But the funny thing is like, who painted this? Was it someone from Pawnee? Like, why did you paint this picture? And why did you decide to like make your own people look like shit versus Eagleton? The other thing I love about it is like Leslie's hatred for Eagleton. And you find out that Eagleton was literally formed one month after Pawnee. So this, I, I always, I guess I never really paid attention to the time where she talks about how it's like, and this is when they, they went away because she's trying to show this guy from Eagleton, how much his town sucks, you know? And he's just kind of like, okay, you know, like whatever he's trying being really cool, actually trying to like bear with Leslie, but she is um, kind of making it difficult. So um, the next one we have is Sarah Nelson Quindle. And this one, we find out at first, in 1849, Sarah Nelson Quindle exposed her elbows outside, which was a Class A felony. Her, <laughs> her punishment was to be set adrift on Lake Michigan like a human popsicle. <laughs> so the picture, it just depicts a woman literally standing on an iceberg in the freezing water of Lake Michigan. That's all it is. She's like not on shore. She's just like there's a bunch of broken ice chunks She's standing on one that's, I don't know, probably about like that would hold a regular sized human. And she has just been set adrift. <laughs> so she's just going to go freeze to death or fall in these waters and be killed by a, a killer whale or something. I don't know. That one I just love so much because it's literally, again, they zoom in. They show the picture of Sarah Nelson Quindell. And when they zoom back, that's when you're just like, holy shit, they literally put her on an iceberg and just pushed her out to sea. <laughs> Again, this stuff was all like they made paintings of all this stuff. It's just like, if anything, it's like this is incriminating evidence. <laughs> oh, my God. These city hall murals. OK, so. Uh, all right. In the episode. um, which one is that? Uh, it's the uh, it's at the end of season. I can't, again, I don't have the episode listed, but I know it is the one where Leslie is trying to stop them from destroying the Turnbull Mansion. This is uh, the second time we meet Jessica Wicks. But so we're uh, at, at the Turnbull the Turnbull Mansion, which is a historical landmark. In 1867, the Progressive Reverend Turnbull officiated a wedding between a white woman and a Wamapoke Indian chief. The secret ceremony was lovely until word got out and the reception was a bloodbath. There was only two survivors and they were both horses. So this picture shows, uh, again, zoomed in, a lovely wedding happening in a small gazebo. It's, uh, it, it's an Indian chief and then this white woman. And um, yeah, the Reverend Turnbull is in the middle uh, officiating the wedding. What do we do next? We pan back. 
We can see on both sides of the gazebo, the one side there is the Pawnee settlers on their horses with their muskets and everything shooting. And then on the other side is the Indian warriors with their bow and arrows shooting like over the gazebo. at the, And there, there's a couple, I think, soldiers on both sides on top of the gazebo too. So it's, again, just so good. It's like, they, why? Why did anyone think to paint any of these pictures? I, I know it's like, well, it's pawn, part of Pawnee's rich history, but it's all terrible. So um, this one is one of my favorites, actually, because it is separate from like all these other ridiculous ones. And this is the Wildflower Mural, which is on the second floor. So the first time we see this one is in the scene where Leslie is trying to um, make like an online dating profile and she ends up getting paired up with Tom. So... Before that happens, Anne is helping Leslie set up her profile. So she asks Leslie, what's your favorite part? What's your favorite spot in the world? And Leslie's like, well, you know, there's this wild, uh, wildflower mural on the second floor that I love to read underneath. And Anne like gives her shit about it at first. Like, come on, like you could pick Paris, you could pick Vegas, you know, da da da, whatever. And you're just, you're talking about this mural. And Leslie's like, yeah, it's my favorite place. I love it. So then later on in the episode, and this is, uh, I, I was actually talking to my wife about this because I had Parks and Rec on and she was, she was making dinner or something. And I called her in. I was like, babe, look, 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 because I had told her, or actually I just told her what the significance of it, because later on in the series, you see the wildflower mural a couple of times. Like you see Leslie and Ben sitting in front of it. And after, after they get married, they're sitting in front of it. So I love that they just kept that in there, but to go back so later on in that episode, after, you know, like Leslie told us about the mural, the mural, the, the wildflower mural, and you've forgotten about it. She's talking to Ben at the end, end of the episode, because this is when they're starting to kind of get flirty and it's like they want to start dating, but they can't yet. So she asks Ben, hey, you know, like, would you we have a couple things to talk about? Do you want to meet me? And Ben's like, yeah. And this is completely like he has no idea that Leslie loved this place. Ben is just like. Yeah, there's this uh, wildflower mural on the second floor that's that's really pretty that I love to. And the face that Leslie makes because she is just like, I want to I want to jump this guy's bones right now. I am in love with Ben Wyatt. I mean, like it's just so good. Like the face she makes is just so wholesome and pure and true because, again, he has no idea that Leslie's in love with this wildflower mural. And the fact that he just kind of pulls it out of nowhere and he's like, well, there's this mural I really like to sit by. She, It's just like, okay, that's it. That's the final straw. I want to marry this man. I love him, you know, but again, you, you got to see the episode and then just, yeah, her face, the face that she makes when he says that it's just, it's so amazing. Okay. Um, You know what? I'm going to come back to that one because it's my favorite one. So, all right. In the episode, uh, season seven, episode 11, two, funer two funerals. I'm sorry. This is the one where Mayor Gunderson dies and where uh, Ron's barber, uh, Salvatore Manfrelati dies. But anyway, the the, pawn uh, the painting is called Bad Pawnee, Good Pawnee. So this is shown during Mayor Gunderson's funeral on the wall behind Ethel Beavers as she is giving her very risque um, eulogy to Mayor Gunderson where she talks about how him and his wife and Ethel Beavers were quite the threesome, literally and figuratively. But uh, so she gives the eulogy and this mural is on the wall behind her. 
So this one's pretty self-explanatory, actually. It's just like on the left half, there's a collage of all the terrible things uh, of Pawnee. And it's basically just almost like a montage of all the bad paintings, like all the ones I just talked about besides Jerry's paintings and the wildflower. But all the terrible ones, there's like small scenes of them all just kind of spliced in together. And then on the right side, it's all the good things about Pawnee. So there's like Sweetums. Uh, the early settlers coming in. There's probably something about Paunchburger in there. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff that Pawnee people love. Okay, and then the final one I have, and this one is my favorite. This is called Traveling Magician. Again, I'm sorry, I can't remember the episode, but Leslie tells us that a traveling magician came through town one time and pulled a rabbit out of his hat. The mob burned him at the stake for being a witch. This was the year 1973. That's my favorite part. Actually, that's one of my favorite parts. I'll get to my favorite part next. But the fact that this happened like within 50 years ago and people thought that this guy was a witch because he pulled a rabbit out of his hat and they decided to burn him at the stake. Now, in this picture, this is my favorite part. The rabbit, you have to look closely, the rabbit is tied on the other side of the pole. So if you don't, like, it's kind of like blink and you miss it. I um. Yeah, I, I should should have put a link in here with all the pictures. If you look at the actual picture of the the, uh, the thumbnail for this episode, I did put the paintings on there. So if you, I don't know, it's probably really small. You'll have to zoom in or whatever. But just go online and just look up the, the murals of uh, City Hall um, and you'll see it. But the uh, it, it, what's what's amazing too is like the people who are lighting him on fire are just like total hippies. Like they look exactly or just maybe not even hippies, but just like seventies kids. So it looks like a bunch of people from like I don't know, like dazed and confused. If you've seen that movie, so a lot of bell bottoms and stuff. But yeah, there's just a dude lighting. Like he's not on fire yet, but the magician. Yeah, there's just a pole in the middle of town. There's just a bunch of rubbish underneath them. The magicians on one side, and then again just kind of like look closely and you'll see the rabbit on the other side, literally tied to the pole as well. So amazing. But um, yeah, just the fact that this happened in 1973 and um, they decided that they had to burn the rabbit too is just amazing. So that's what I got for um, the city hall murals. I believe that is all of them. Uh, sorry, I couldn't give you the episode on each one of them, but um, like I said, this was more of uh, you got to just kind of close your eyes and listen and uh, picture what I'm talking about. I should have said that with like a smooth jazz voice, but that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much for hanging out and listening. If you'd like to contact me or the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can do that. You can also like and follow on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. If you like horror movies and media, please check out my other podcast that I host with my sister called Horrorcopia Podcast. Give us a follow on Instagram at hcopia underscore podcast. Again, thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, the Parks and Recreation Podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you soon. Greg Pakaitis' favorite fruit is peaches.